0: You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us for today's episode. I'm excited because I've got my longtime friend, Chris Douglas. Say what's up, Chris? What up, KP? (laughs) We are here just outside of DC in Falls Church at Chris's place, and uh, I've known Chris Man, how long have we known each other since 2012? Maybe no, it was before that. Before that, because
1: I came on staff at NCC in 2012. That's right. So we did a record before then together.
0: We got coffee at Ebenezer's Coffee House in DC, and uh, I actually had the opportunity to hire you. You were my first hire as a as a director of worship at ncc back in the day and uh when we knew that we were moving to nashville to begin planting i knew that man we got to hand this to chris he's the right guy at the right time and so man chris just for our listeners give them a snapshot of who you are how your journey in worship has progressed through the years and uh, what you're all about
1: yeah man it's an honor to be on the the podcast today so thanks for having me um yeah i'm a second generation worship leader my mom is a worship leader and i think some of like my earliest moments in worship um, are marked by my mom leading in small group or at church. And so I think just from a young age, worship has been a huge part of my life. You know my mom, she's awesome. And uh, yeah, so I kind of went on a circuitous route. I was getting a Bachelor of Fine Arts in musical theater. And um, man, I was in callbacks for... Some Broadway shows and national tours, and um, you know how all things happen. We have a girl in our life who uh, keeps us from pursuing our dreams, and so I took a a job as a a worship leader at an
0: Anglican church here in Virginia, and that was when we met. Um, Talk to me a little bit about that, the Anglican tradition. I know it's a little bit more liturgical in nature than the charismatic churches that I grew up in. How did that shape the way you lead and think about worship?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I think the Anglican Church is really beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful uh, expression of our our faith and our body of Christ. And so, you know, we talk about um, three streams in Anglicanism. There's the Catholic or the liturgical side, there's the evangelical side, and there's a charismatic side as well. So there's a really broad expression um, of the Christian faith. So there's a little bit of everything. Um, there's there's the free move of the Spirit, which really came through um, John Wimber. You know, he... he is uh, a legend, um, kind of in the uh, charismatic and Pentecostal circles, but you know he he marked the uh, um, the Anglican Church in a, in a really special way and brought just kind of that that fresh wave. Of Holy Spirit um, through the charismatic uh, renewal back in you know 70s 80s and so through programs like Alpha you've really seen kind of this emphasis on life and the Spirit really take root and so that's what my roots are in uh, as an Anglican you know I was kind of low church so you know we're meeting in school cafeterias and sure you know you know you set up an altar up front but you got like the gymnasium right behind you <laughs> and or the cafetorium type mm-hmm. deal you know. And, uh, and yeah, man, we had worship bands, which was kind of fun. So, you know, I grew up playing drums in the worship band and then, you know, started playing guitar and and leading worship. And so I would just say like, I was was telling someone the other day, like so many kids in high school, you know, they just get into playing tab and shredding and learning all the classic rock stuff. And I just didn't go that way. My, my high school, um, experience was marked by worship and I, Mm. it was really abnormal. Like it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't normal. I would, um, I would worship in my bathroom, because everything sounds better in your bathroom.
0: Natural reverb. That's
1: right. That Let's natural go. reverb. But I, I had like, you know, went online and printed out chord charts and had them taped up all around my mirror, and I just worship in my bathroom for hours. Um, and so, that's what I did instead of you know becoming like a shredhead on guitar. I was <laughs> just sitting there falling in love with Jesus, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, those were really special times. And so I think that's. That's um that's been a big part of what's marked my life as a worship leader is just um what you do in secret informs what you know you do in public and uh, yeah you can't fake it.
0: <laughs> Let's lean into that a little bit because yeah. I know in the chapter so worshipology is a book it comes out this fall you got to contribute a to- one of the most amazing chapters I think in there that's talking about repentance and consecration yeah. and you're talking about authentic worship being yeah. something that's not just from the stage but something that you live in your everyday life yeah. as a worship leader and somebody who lives out of the overflow. Talk about that because in the book you shared a little thing about uh, making it a goal to worship for two hours for every hour that you're on stage and I yeah. know you know some weeks are easier to do that than others but how do you cultivate that life where worship is not just a gig. It's not just something you do on Sundays, it's not just something you do with a mic in front of you, but it's something that you literally live out every day of the week. How do you do that? And for those that are listening, yeah. how can they step into that to a greater degree?
1: Totally. Well, and I won't take credit for that. I was in a little kind of small group of worship leaders having a conversation kind of like this, and um, that was John Mark McMillan who kind of put that challenge out, and we were talking about. Um, just a need for authenticity in the worship world and so he he was the one who put that challenge out to me and that's something i've tried to live is you know i want to be more in love with jesus than a performance on the platform mm-hmm. and i think the more time i spend with jesus on the outside it it carries over into what we do on on a platform on a stage every weekend um and so yeah i mean and and i mean transparently kurt you know this too man like like there are weekends like, when you're not in it and that's fine like that's that's good. That's just real life, and we have an obligation as leaders to step up and lead in those moments. And so, like, that's not that's not fake leadership. That's just real leadership. You yeah. know, you're not you're not faking it. You're just you're leading. Um, and so, like, I think that's that's important, and that's important to recognize. Um, you can be in that for maybe a short season, but when that becomes a prolonged season, that's when like the warning lights start going off on the dashboard. Right? You got to start checking your oil. And, that's good. Yeah. Uh, And just seeing kind of like what's going on under the hood that's leading you to a place of leading on empty. And so, you know, it really is about soul care. It's about your life with Jesus. It's about being in the Word every day. It's about being in prayer every day. And I know it sounds so, you know, it sounds so silly and trite, but like that time with God in the morning is, you know, it's the most important thing for me. Um, I I have a buddy, Mark Allen Schoolmeesters, and we we were just talking about, he's like, I don't pick up my phone until... Until I've had my time with Jesus, you know that's I don't good. I don't look at my Gmail yeah. until I've had my time with Jesus, and I've done. He's a he's a psalmist, and so he sits down in Psalm you know, psalmists every morning. So, Psalm writes, <laughs> Psalm writes, the writes the Psalms every morning. You know, and just like singing out of the overflow. Wow. But for him, it's it's that first fruit that you give God, but that's so important. Um, just at the beginning of your day, it's like, how am I grounding? How am I centering myself mm. in
0: Jesus? That's really good. And honestly, you know, you're doing leading worship directing worship to you yeah. a, uh, you're you part of a multi-site church here yeah. National Community Church in Washington D.C. you've got expressions in the capital yeah. uh, you're doing ministry and I would say one of the tougher places in our country yeah. so if there's any place that you do need to be leading from the overflow I think this is it yeah. maybe share with our listeners what is it like to lead worship from the nation's capital what, it has, what it's been like over these last couple of years mm. probably the hardest two years of our lives yeah. uh, in our generation I think we're going to be marked by this time and how we've responded to it yeah, um, and how we've grown out of that what are some of the lessons you've taken out of these last couple years and what are some of the challenges you face as you lead worship at the epicenter of the free world
1: yeah that's good you know I don't know um, how many people know this but like our country is run by 25 year olds right um, you that's know funny. we always think you know it's it's these uh, elected officials that are running it but it's in all honesty it's their staff that's running it and so I think when I think about leading worship in the nation's capital, I just think about the honor and the responsibility that is um, that I get to have a part um, in someone's life. Uh, it's the Daniels, it's the Esters, it's the it's the people who are influencing the influencers, and I get to influence those people. Yeah. Um, and so that's I think that's a weight that's something that we carry, um, and it's it's a huge responsibility. It's not something that we should take lightly, but you know. Again, what it comes back down to is it's pointing people back to Jesus, like in a very real and raw and authentic way, is what people need right now. Whether you're in your nation's capital or you're in Oklahoma or you're somewhere else around the world, like what people need is Jesus. We have so many people out there looking for all these different things, looking for these different answers, looking for cultural currents, looking for, um, you know, solutions. But, and and all those things are great. But it comes through Jesus. Like, if it doesn't start there, it's not going to sustain it. It's not going to go anywhere else. And so, when I think about, I mean, gosh, like, culture is heated, man. Like, you know, we thought it was, you know, we thought it was heated under the last administration. And no shocker, it's no less heated under this administration, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, it's it's just a level of pressure and intensity. And, um, yeah, that gets... That's hard that's that's hard to bear um you know here at ncc man like we have the we have the privilege to minister to people on both sides of the aisle democrats republicans liberals conservatives and that comes with like its own unique set of challenges on both sides of of ideology um but what we challenge people is that like no my first allegiance like the thing that i give myself first to is not political ideology but it's i'm a part of the kingdom and really what being part of the kingdom means is that i've surrendered my life and my will to the lordship of jesus that's good and when we do that in community that's when things change but like sometimes i think you know we're we're addressing problems in kind of a backwards way we're looking to like kind of fix solutions and and yeah like you know there's yeah, there's a corporate nature of of faith and faith life, obviously the body of Christ, like that's a group of believers. But it, it it's always an individual decision, right? It's always Jesus saying, "No, come and follow me." Mm. Right? Whether to his disciples or the rich young ruler. No, it's "Come and follow me." It's a personal invitation that he gives out. And so it has to start with a yes to Jesus personally before we can kind of do something collectively. To see change or the kingdom come about, and so when you think about uh, the kingdom of God, it's it's so subversive. It's so it's so counterintuitive in so many ways. You know, blessed are blessed are the weak, blessed are the poor in spirit. Like the mm-hmm, things that make mm-hmm. you a rock star in the kingdom, like are not the things that make you a rock star in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's very subversive, and I I kind of like that.
0: Now let's talk about this for a little bit. You know, we have some people that are listening right now that are over teams and they're leading teams and it's hard to do in any context, but I can't imagine like being at a place like DC where people move here to change the world Yeah, and yeah, you're ministering to people on both sides of the aisle. Let's talk about team leadership for a minute. Like how do you keep people united uh, in an area that can be so divisive? What are the things that you do to foster community? What are the things that you do to keep your team focused on Jesus when there's so much noise everywhere else maybe share some insights to that oh man gosh you've hit the heart you've hit the
1: net like the nail right on the head like it's hard Mm -hmm. it's hard and like you don't you don't get it right all the time like i've i've so many examples of not getting it right you know it talks about like preserve the unity like unity isn't something that just happens right like like it's something that has to be continually fostered and continually That's good. driven back to. Like unity doesn't happen by accident. And I think, man, I don't know, like I, I think people are looking to unify on like secondary things, right? They're they're looking to unify around things that are not essential to the gospel. They're looking for unity and uniformity in agreement to to certain things or certain creeds or certain cultural trends. And while I'm not saying that's truth or not truth like we do like we know what truth is truth is jesus and so like i think it all starts there and it has to start there it has to start with a recognition and an agreement um as like hey like we're brothers and sisters not because of anything else but jesus like and and being born again by his spirit like the spirit of jesus dwells in me and he dwells in you yeah the imago day like we're all created in 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 God's image, yes, hundred percent. And we honor that and we respect that. That's what leads to dignity in all people. We have to just drive back to the gospel. We have to drive back to the person of Jesus, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, his the infilling of the spirit. Those are the things that are essential. When cultural trends start to pull you apart, it's like, no, 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 like, man, we're family. And like we can disagree, like we have to be able to disagree on some peripheral things there weren't we might not always see eye to eye we might even agree but have some differences in how we agree or something you know um but if we're not careful and i think culture right now is asking for this like culture is asking us to draw lines and um cancel each other and attack each other and all, all those kind of things like that's that's what culture is asking us to do, and that's like a subversive plot of the enemy. Like, the enemy is trying to destroy the church right now. Mm. And so I think um, we have to come back to the cross. Like, we have to come back to, no, if I've surrendered my life to Jesus and His
0: His Lordship and His will, like, that makes us family. When you are talking about the importance of the gospel, and hands down, I mean, if, it's, if anything is uh, over the gospel, then in a sense, you've built a church that's not the church of Jesus. Mm, uh And I think, you know, what you do so well is you're always about the cross. I mean, I remember getting to lead worship when we are on the same team together, planning out Good Friday services, talking about Easter services. But it seemed like even in the services outside of that, we would always have a song that leads back to Jesus. Our our goal, and we we developed really a lot of the vision pieces while I was here. You and I, I, I always joked around and said that we're the Bash Brothers. Like, you know, we would do a lot of stuff together. And, you know, it was always about God's presence like yeah. people experiencing God's presence letting that transformation happen one life at a time by an encounter with Jesus yep. how do you as a worship leader if you're on a worship team uh, is that come through song choice does it come through another means how do you always make sure that you're pointing to Jesus in everything that you do uh, is, it, is it lifestyle I mean tell us some things yep. about that and what you've done to inspire a team to do that
1: yeah totally my favorite is when it comes by accident right because that's like we, we joke about like that's the language of the spirit when I'm, when I'm planning one thing and you're planning another thing maybe we're not talking together but you get into a service and then all the pieces start lining up and you're like wow I couldn't have planned a better set list you know that's that's when you're like oh god you're up to something right now Um, I mean in some ways it's like really formulaic but like what we're really I mean again we're, we're you need to gather people like you need to you need to bring people from whatever state they're in whether coming from work um, rushing in late on a Sunday morning, maybe they just had a fight on the way. Maybe their kids are throwing, you know, cheerios in the back seat. Um, you know, like we have to have a moment where we collectively move from that into worship. And I think that's a gathering song um, of some sort. And for me, that's always a reminder of like, hey, I'm going to sing about the character of God. I'm going to remember who God is and what He's done. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to declare truth. Um, about his goodness and his faithfulness and um, and his character and then it has to move to a place of of that intimate exchange or expression like when when the spirit of man touches the spirit of God and that's a powerful place and so it's a journey right um, we're, we're kind of cut from the same cloth so like you know I like to start with upbeat music and yeah you know, just kind of get people feeling good but it, it moves into a place of intimacy and, and the language the language starts going from like, you know, you are talking about God, but then talking to God, and mm-hmm. it's it's a reflection of, oh God, I love you, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, Jesus, we love you, we worship and adore you. It's that, it's that it's just like, oh, those simple but powerful moments. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff we can fake, right? We can fake our way around, but you can't fake your way around the presence of God. Like, mm-hmm. you can't, and I can look back, these, these are so important, right? And you're the same way. Like I can look back in my life, as weird of a route as it is, as painful of a route it is, as in seasons unfaithful of a route it is, I can I can look back and say like, oh no, like that was God. I met God there. Oh no, I met God there. Like God touched me. God God spoke something over me. I remember when I was filled with spirit, like. You know and I, and I, I you know I spoke in tongues for the first like like that was a that was a moment like that that was a marker for me in my life that like regardless of where I go and what happens in my, my belief system or my experience I can look back and say that was real mm-hmm. and so my job as a leader is not to manufacture that I can't manufacture it but I can set the table for that
0: right let let's park there for yeah. a minute because yeah. one, one of the things I love about you is like you you lead worship your heart is on your sleeve. I mean, yeah. you. you, you uh, and for I, better or for I, worse. For better or <laughs> for worse. But the, th- the the thing about authenticity is that's it. You cannot fake it. And there have been moments where, whether I was on stage with you or whether I was just catching something from down in Nashville, watching an online service here yeah. in DC, where you stop in the middle and you just share something from your experience that week, or you you pause and say, "Hey, I've got a, I, I feel like I got to share something right here." Yeah. And you lean into the moment. Yeah. And you lean into your experience and how, from that, there might be a teaching moment where yeah. somebody in the congregation needs to hear something right then and right there. And so you know, one of the things I love. About about these conversations on worshipology is that we yeah. really go where we're just following after the Holy Spirit. Right. And, I, and I want this to be a podcast where the things of the Spirit are not just talked about on the periphery, but really addressed. And one of those things where it comes to leading worship yeah. is to lead following the Holy Spirit, noticing those moments. And how do you do that with without contrition, without making it seem like, oh, this is planned and all this stuff, but also to there's a direction of excellence to it. It's yeah. not, it's not just riffing and you're not just going down some rabbit trail. How do you notice the moments in your week where you're like, wow, I think God's teaching me something here. And could this have to do with the worship that's coming up this weekend as a congregation?
1: Yeah. A couple things. I mean, I think one, always be ready to share something like always be ready to share what God is speaking to you in life right now. Um, that's good. That's something that I've been uh, challenged by my pastor, Pastor Joel, um, to do. Like, always have a word. Always have something ready to share. Mm -hmm. And that shouldn't be stale. That should be like this morning. That should be like, what what is God speaking to me today, right? Um, And so I think that's one. Number two is, I'd say, as a worship leader, get your eyes open, right? That's good. Get your eyes open. Like, we're Holy Spirit people. We're prophetic people. It's kind of the nature of 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 worship and i'd say and i know some of us we're not all as prophetic that might not be like our our number one gifting but like you have to be able to see what god's doing in the room and you can't do that if your eyes are closed and so um for me i'd say like what i do and what i tell my team is like the most important moments in our worship set are between songs right like the songs are great and honestly you know my band they know this about me like I'm not a big like mess it for the sake of messing it up. Like I don't I don't everyone's like, ah, oh, tracks. I'm like, ah, but when I don't use tracks, I don't like double chorus or whatever. It's not like we don't deviate from that too much. But the the place that we we expect to deviate, the place that we plan to deviate is between songs. It's like, how long am I gonna linger here? Like, God, are you doing something in this moment? Um, and so for me that's you know, it's between a song 2 and a song 3 or it's after a song 3 and it's just like god what are you doing right now that's i i literally open my eyes and i scan the room and i just wait and in my in my spirit i'm like god what are you doing right now what are you up to like you i need to i need to activate something by calling it out right now. Like I need to activate something in the room because if I don't if we don't stop and, and bless it and pronounce it and and the congregation doesn't receive that word, like we can go be, we can go through this moment
0: and nothing happens. And, um, and I think it's so key for right now, like, yeah, where the church is at capital C because yep. I think people are tired of checkbox church. Yeah. I think they're tired of going somewhere where they expect and know exactly what's gonna happen. It's gonna be these three songs, then there's a video, and then there's this, and then there's that. And there's Nothing intrinsically wrong with that model, but yeah. I think what we need now more than ever is an authentic move of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I think He's breaking out. I think revival is happening, yeah. and I think and I- it's happening everywhere. And as worship leaders, and as those that are a part of churches that pray and you lean in, prayer and worship—I mean, that's the the wings of revival, right? Yeah. And so I love that you just said that. Like, notice what the Holy Spirit's doing in the room. Transitions are so key. Yeah, and not being afraid of that. Yep. You know, and how do you, how do you steward that? How do you foster that? Is that a a, a trust that grows between you and the lead pastor? Is it something that you work out with your team? Is that something that just comes naturally?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's, I'd say it's all of the above. And that's, that's great. Like, I mean, with my team, you know, beforehand, it's, it's like, Hey, I think there's going to be a moment. And we, when we're planning the sets, when we're running the set, you know, beforehand, like we're, we're, you can sense something. You can sense something, yeah. right? Yeah. So I mean, you, you prep your team for it and say, Hey, if we stop here, like we're gonna keep on this set this section of the song, we're gonna vamp these chords. And here's what we you know, I'm I might say something here and then we're gonna go back into this section of the song, or hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna sing a new song and we're just gonna keep vamping this progression right here. And so, um I, I think that's the practical side of it with the band. I mean gosh the uh, the pastoral side and that pastoral trust is that's so key and I'm at a church where I just have the most amazing leadership and Pastor Mark and then at my campus Pastor Joel and and I would just say that like trust doesn't come overnight you know so like if you're if you're new at a church you feel like you know obviously like we extend we extend a measure of trust up front you know um and that trust either grows or it diminishes and so just know I think if like you're brand new that level, that level of trust might not be there yet and that's not a bad thing, right? And so find ways to continue to cultivate that and that, and ultimately that might just be time, that just might be experience and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'll, I'll say that, that's a good point. The other thing that like you really have to do is like you gotta pick and choose your moments, right? And sometimes like, sometimes we become white noise when we become predictably unpredictable you know Mm. and so like if i know if someone knows like oh chris is going to speak between song two and three every time like like you start to tune that stuff out and so like it really like you know we're not doing it just to do it we're doing it because the lord's doing something and sometimes like sometimes we go straight through and that's like fine like that's a good thing like that's Mm -hmm. just kind of Um, I was talking with one of our pastors like in a a liturgical calendar like there's feasting seasons and then there's like normal seasons there's like ordinary time ordinary life and so you we don't always live in the feast we don't always live in like the I'm not always going to share a word like sometimes it's like it's just a it's just a normal set and that's great Mm. there's nothing wrong with that you Mm. know.
0: Well, you know one of the things i love about the culture here at ncc is just this songwriting culture and you're writing out of your story you're writing out of the story of what god's doing in your church you're capturing uh the story into song and one of the most powerful songs that you've written that has impacted so many people is the song Fallen to Kindness that was written out of your story what your family walked through and uh man if if you're comfortable with that I would love to just lean into that and just share with our listeners um what that season was like for you
1: yeah so uh my wife and I Catherine um we got pregnant in in 2016 and to our surprise we were, we had uh we had twins which was awesome and so at kind of that you know that midweek or the midterm point where you're, you know, you're doing anatomy scans and things like that. We realized that one of our, our twins had a heart defect. It's called a uh, hypoplastic left heart syndrome. And so we were just prepping ourselves for uh, a long journey ahead. Um, uh, you know, best case scenario is, you know, three heart surgeries. Um, and then ultimately a heart transplant, and so we knew there was a rough road ahead. And then there's also the the possibility of you know your child not not making it through. And so my daughter, um, my daughter Ryan, who's still here with us, is now five. And then her sister Keelan, um, and we had seven and a half amazing months together. Um, spent at Children's Hospital down in D.C. We just love love that hospital, love the doctors, the nurses, the surgeons. There It was just a an amazing time is a painful time. And so Keelan, um, man, she survived three cardiac arrests, went through um, three open heart surgeries, multiple cath lab procedures. And so um, ultimately, she just was kind of getting sicker and sicker. And so seven and a half months later, she went to be with Jesus. And, you know, man, that's something that something that wrecks you you know it really it's just a gut check and um gosh i mean so many things to think out of that like one um the church is such a beautiful thing (laughs) and the kindness that we experienced um from jesus through his his people his church was just tremendous like Mm -hmm. um even while we were in the hospital i mean people people, you know, putting groceries on our doorstep every week type deal, you know, and um, you know, our NCC just with like the amazing flexibility that they, that they gave me. And that was right when you went down to Nashville, like yeah. you went down to Nashville the month after my daughters were born, wow. which was wild. So, I mean, just kind of cr- coming and crashing into a, a new season, um, as a ministry in a church and a worship transition. So, um, yeah and and just in the wake of of all that just the support and the love that we felt um, as as a as a family was just out of this world Um, you know for me worship is where I I feel most myself Wow. Um, and that's not you know everyone's experience you know my wife it you know it it took her a minute to get back to you know feeling like engaging in worship again and man, it's so wild. Now it was right about that time when Passion came out with that song, "God, You're So Good," and I just couldn't, I, I couldn't sing those words, wow. you know. And it's not that I didn't believe the goodness of God in that situation, but man, I'm in a season right now where, like, during flow moments, like, just to be able to sing, "God, You're So Good." Five years later, oh God, You're So Good. Mm. You have to lead where you're at, and and fortunately for me, like you know, I I was given. You know, I think I took you know a month, six weeks off of leading worship and just kind of getting through that initial trauma. But um, yeah, I think I think when we can bring ourselves um, into our worship life, whether that's and that's not just through songwriting, right? That's that's like being a leader on stage and just being vulnerable and authentic. Um, and th- that's not making worship about us. That's not you know distracting or whatever but it's just bringing it's bringing who you are into the mix of things right now i think that's a powerful thing mm-hmm. and when people can when, when people see that they're like oh this is real like this isn't it's not a performance it's not fake um and so for me falling to kindness was um yeah it it, it was it was special it was about eight months nine months after keelan went to be with jesus and um i was with a couple of friends and we just sat down and it was like oh you know this is it's time like it's time to to put some of this into into lyric into song and it that song is just uh it's it's just beautiful because it's, it's a recognition that like we live in the now and the not yet right like the kingdom of god is here but the kingdom of god is also coming like so good yeah and and so we life isn't perfect and um i don't understand i prayed for people and see healing and we've prayed for my daughter and and i didn't see that healing on this side of heaven um and so it's just a recognition that like life is broken and it doesn't always go to plan the way that we want to or think it should Mm. or pray for it to um and yet god meets us in it and and i think that's that's the beauty of it like god god doesn't promise like to get us through the storm, right? But God promises. He's the God whose expertise is comfort and peace in the middle of a storm. Wow. And so, yeah. would you
0: say that songwriting in a, in a way has been kind of therapy for you to be able to put out in lyric what your heart is going through? Is that something that helps you to process?
1: Yeah. I think I think it's seasonal sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I'm always writing songs and, you know, you know, 98% of the songs I write you'll never hear like no one, no one will studio. ever hear them right yeah. yeah and that's cool like that's how it should be as a songwriter like we're not just putting out everything that we're writing and so for me like yeah that i would say it is therapeutic in a sense um you know i write a lot of like nothing songs like just like really stupid pointless <laughs> songs that are just about what i'm doing you know or like, telling your kids or, to brush their teeth that's <laughs> right right Creating a song for your, you know brush your teeth or get in bed or put your shoes on or listen the first time put it on YouTube it'll be viral (laughs) yeah right that's where my calling is there it is
0: kid songs Um, yes Hey, we did a kid song together. We've done many kid songs there together. We go. Hey, well, let's talk about that for just a moment yeah. because you actually, yeah, when, when we were here together, we did a couple. Uh, we did an album that was for it was a, of lullabies that you mm-hmm. and uh, our protege at the time, John Sissel, did. Man, I forgot. Haven't about even that. thought about that for. But then there was Seven Fourteen Kids, yep. which was a, a worship album geared towards I would say like middle schoolers and young yeah. high schoolers. And talk about what that's like because I know you've had a lot of experience. Of course, now as a worship director of mm-hmm. a multiple campuses, leading mostly in an adult environment but yeah. also like leading with kids and and not looking at kids as the next generation but, but the generation true. of now yeah that's good and so how do you lead worship in a multi-generational facet and now as a dad yeah. you know i mean your kids are so cute they were just outside playing on the slip and slide and yeah they might they might hear uh, appear somewhere in this recording yeah, you may hear in the them in the background that's, that's right the, that's the sign <laughs> of happy kids but um yeah just talk about that because i i I remember when I first released my album, Story Songs from Scripture, you yeah. were on that album, yep. co wrote, I don't know, two or three of them, yeah. and we led the inaugural concert of that together. And it was yeah. so much fun yep. seeing families worship together. Uh, what's been your experience like in that, and how can we be better at that as worship leaders in our church context?
1: Yeah, I would say, like, early on, I thought, like, kids' music was beneath me, right? Wow. Like, I thought it was beneath my time and my effort and my energy. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is the B project here, you know? And now as a dad, I'm like, oh, please, would you just make something good and make something that's gonna, you know, get my kid to love Jesus. I don't wanna Jesus. pull my hair out anymore I listening know. to <laughs> bells and chimes. Yeah, right, and- exactly. You know, we have a window of opportunity as like, as parents and not just parents, but also as a community of believers. Like those early years, those formative years set the tone for who these kids are gonna grow up into. And so we have the responsibility as a community of faith to teach them and train them and raise them up in the ways of Jesus. And music is such is such a key to that. You know, I mean, my kids, your kids, they're they're singing all the time, right? All the time. I mean, like I can't. And and again, it's like you ask them, oh, what what did you do at school today? I can't remember. But you know, they can remember every lyric of every song they've heard, Mm -hmm. and that's that's not by. I mean, that's by design, like that's, that's on accident. And so songs are sticky. And so we need to be making better music for our kids and Mm. um, pointing them to Jesus. And then, I mean, functionally, like in an intergenerational context, man, like we talk about this all the time. Like there's no junior Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. Like there's no, like the spirit of Jesus that lives in me lives in my kids too. That's good. And that's, that's not something to be trifled with. Like these kids are powerful, man. And yeah. our, our job as parents, our job is, um, spiritual aunts and uncles to kids in our, in our community is to unleash that, yeah. um, and to cultivate that. And so, um, man, it's, it's really funny. Cause I, Man, when you're talking about that, I was like, man, I remember, I remember having to make that lullabies thing. (laughs) And, but I can't tell you the fruit of like, after the fact of how many parents come back to you and be like, man, that was on repeat. And thank you for making that. Mm. I I thought that was beneath me at the time. And that's what you think when you're 23 and that's why you don't don't be the man when you're at 23. <laughs> don't, don't go lead a, a ministry at 23. You go find someone to, to lead under who will give you those projects and humble you and train you. Um, and you get your mistakes out. Wow. Um, that could be a podcast episode. Yeah. We'll, and we'll, we'll, come back and do, we'll do that one wow. again. I'm really passionate about that, Yeah, about that topic right now because I was young and destructive and, mm. uh, have, uh, have a lot of grace of God on my life. Got a that, few more trips around the sun Got now. a few
0: more trips around the sun, so. That's huge, man. I'll tell you, some of the most formative moments have been when I've seen kids enter into worship, you know, and oh. it breaks me. Yes. I mean, when I see a little five-year-old Nora raise her hands in worship, yeah. and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is what it's all about. It's yeah. it's as the body of Christ, which includes kids, it includes senior citizens, it yeah. includes all walks of life, yes. and when we can all come together and praise the same Jesus, there's something powerful in that moment, man. It's good. Dude, let me close this with a question I love to ask worship leaders. All right. Uh, when it comes to spirit-led worship, yeah, give me one thought on what that is and how to cultivate that environment in your church, in your team. What does it look like to be a spirit-led worship team?
1: I'll tell you right now what the Lord's just called me to. It's, it's come, break, and pour. Those, those three words.
0: That's really good. Say that again.
1: Come, you have an invitation. break. We break ourselves. We're, we're that we're that broken vessel. We're that alabaster jar. We break ourselves and we pour ourselves out at the feet of Jesus. Um, and if you make it a, if you make it about hmm, you make it about Jesus and you make Him a priority, that's going to cultivate a spirit led environment. Wow. The Holy Spirit is attracted to the worship of Jesus, that's and so, so
0: you lift His name up, you'll see His Spirit come down. Wow, that's amazing. Come, break, and pour. Do it. Hey, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. So good. Love it, man. Well, I hope you guys were challenged and inspired today. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.